Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have with me today uh, a fellow cop's wife, and uh, but she is so much more than that. I, I started to follow what she was doing uh, on a Facebook page that talked about how to love our cops, and I got intrigued. I did some more research. And Vicki Newman was gracious enough to get back to me and uh, sit down and talk to me. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Betsy. What's it like to be married to a cop? <laughs> uh, intense, actually. Um, a great and crazy adventure. And I would say um, heartache and joy all at the same time. So when did you start to realize as a police officer's wife that this wasn't just, um, you know, your husband wasn't just this, uh, you know, nine to five kind of guy with a briefcase and a suit and, and that, that really his job was going to have an effect on you and ultimately your whole family? Immediately. Uh, we were transported down to LA. So he was with California Highway Patrol and we went to LA first. And it was immediately like the first week where he's coming home and he is different. And uh, I, I recognized, wait, a um, little withdrawn, using language, uh, just it's like, okay, wait, who are you again? And um, saw those changes right before my eyes. So a lot of, you know, law enforcement officers tend to have a higher divorce rate. Um, and you saw these changes start to occur. And I know having talked to a lot of spouses, a lot of spouses either, they either ignore it until it gets so bad, it's intolerable, or they just get out. What did you decide to do? Uh, you know, it was interesting because I, I saw the changes and I asked another spouse, I said, Hey, have you seen any, any changes in your officer? And she looked at me and she says, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I thought, well, maybe it's just us. And then I found out three weeks later that she left her husband and they got a divorce. And I realized at that point, okay, that's not going to be us. Uh, I said, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And that's what I mean. Now, one of the things that you deal with now, and we'll talk about how you got there, is police officer mental health. And, and I think the public is just now starting to understand that this is a big issue. Um, talk about police officer mental health and, and why you started to uh, personally really take a, a significant look at that? Well, it started actually with my son who uh, went into the Marines and I, and he came out broken and we are still dealing with that in some ways today. Uh, so I saw, you know, uh, actual diagnosed PTSD in our home. Uh, I had also talked to my grandfather who was a World War II vet and uh, he used to cry, you know, 70 years after the fact. Um, and so I already knew that there was something with military, but then I started seeing it in my own husband. And um, so that really started things. Uh, I also wrote another book 
uh, years ago on, uh, it's called Selfish Prayer, um, and it was all about the Afghan war. And so I was able to um, do some, some interviews that really showed me the emotional toll of war. And again, um, the parallels between some of the police officers that we knew, some of the things that I was hearing from other spouses, and then just seeing divorces all around us. And then after a while, I started seeing some things in my husband. Um, it became something very, very personal to me, and I needed to educate myself on this. Now you are, I want, we, you know, when you're in a police family, you always end up talking about the cop, right? And unless you're both cops, but um, you are, I want to talk about your career uh, for a little bit. You are a prolific writer. And, and I, I, I get the impression you use that um, to, like you said, to educate yourself, but um, you use it to better your life and the life of others, don't you? Yes, I, I feel as if this gift that I have gives people who don't get a voice to have a voice. And um, as in, you know, Selfish Prayer, and then also uh, my recent book is Facing Evil, which talks about uh, cop trauma. Uh, and we were able to give a voice to those who were on the front lines of a horrific day here in Sacramento. And um, it's been it's been amazing because what I personally had set out to do with that book was to um, show what it looks like to get help, um, talk about some resources that are out there, and then and then show it to police officers so that they you know, to take the mystery away so that they would get help. And we are definitely seeing that. We, we've seen many officers get help because of reading the first book in 10 years that they'd read. So it's been pretty good. Why do you think police officers are so hesitant to get mental health help? I think that they are misinformed. Um, there's this stigma, you know it, um, it, of just, if I get help, then I'm weak. And I, um, and the training um, that you all get is, is also very much a part of that. Uh, I think, you know, if there's a problem, you are trained to take care of it. And, and but yet there's not a lot of education right now in, in the training, in the initial training of becoming a police officer that shows how to deal with the things that you see because um, officers go into this to help, but they don't understand that there's a price to that. There is a, there's a sacrifice in the sense of seeing things that most of us don't see and smelling things that most of us don't smell and experiencing um, things in, a, in the blink of an eye that make, that change their lives. And, um, and then sometimes your training says that if you do everything right, it, you will have a good outcome. And that is not always the case. And so that is a big, um, I think, injury to the soul. In, in a lot of ways, because police officers go into this to help others, but in the process, they are wounded. 
And that's not something that they really want to admit. Do you see in uh, in the training events and, and things that, that you do, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but do you see police officers pushing their own feelings aside, uh, you know, to, because they're trying to help so many other people? Do you see that? Yes. Yes. And what I see is um, that they're trained to do that because when there's a threat, you have to, you have to put aside your fear, put aside any of that, those in, inner turmoil things that are going on and deal with it. And that's the training. So a lot of times I, I see police officers putting that aside until it becomes something that just won't shut up. And, you know, there's lots of ways to, to talk about that, whether it's the garbage cans full or the shit buckets full or something like that. Uh, you know, there's lots of ways to say that. But the fact is, is that we're all human, including police officers. And the things that are seen and experienced are, are not normal. And yet, for some reason, y'all have a, an idea that it is. <laughs> it's, it's your normal. And so I, I don't know, I, I, I see the effects come out in months and years down the line um, when someone puts it aside. I, and unfortunately in that time, they think that they've hidden it and those that hear at home, um, we see it the moment that it comes into the home and yet we misinterpret and sometimes there's irreparable damage that's done before a police officer can get help. Absolutely. Now you wrote a book and I, I love the title, um, A Chip on My Shoulder. What prompted you uh, to write that book and, and talk about what it's about? Uh, actually, it was police suicides on my husband's department. We were uh, seeing quite a few in, in, a, in about four month time, we lost six officers in the line of duty. The same time, what wasn't making the news was that there were officers that were actually taking their own lives. And one night, um, my husband just, he got word of, of the 15th in four years, but they were really coming closer together. And it angered me. And I said, what are we doing? And what I meant was, what is the, what is the highway patrol gonna do? But I really started asking myself that, what can I do? And in my research, I realized that um, one of the last things that to happen is that people abandon, including spouses and significant relationships are lost because something is not right. And so I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. Maybe this is it. And so I did. I love it. Now, you didn't just write a book. You didn't just do research, but, but now... Um, you go out uh, all over the United States and Canada, right? And talk to police officers and their families. And, uh, and that's the how to love your cops part. What's the essence of that program? Well, we do trainings. Uh, mainly what we're about is education, encouragement, and equipping the family for the challenges that the career have. And we look at three areas, which is relationally, so all about the marriages, and now we're starting to look towards children, um, how that affects them. And then emotionally, like we've been talking about, and then spiritually, if that's something that's interested, you know, if 
that's interesting to people. So, um, so that's not necessarily our first thing, but um, we're all about the marriages, all about training um, spouses and moms and brothers and sisters to really love their officers and to understand what's coming home. What, what is it that we're seeing? Um, why are they angry? Why are they withdrawing? Why um, are they acting the way they are? And to correctly diagnose that, because I know for many, many, many years, I'd see things coming home and I internalized them and thought that they were uh, my fault. And that wasn't the case. It wasn't my fault at all. It was many things that were coming through um, that were affecting my husband in, in his career. And later on, we were able to do things a little bit better because I, I had done the research. I had talked with others and realized that it was something that was very, uh, very real. But there is that as a spouse, right? There was that feeling of if, if only I could do this and only if only I would do this, I can make this better, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's a relationship and that's the way that we look at it is a relationship. And so when something else from the outside that we don't see and we don't understand comes in kind of like an intruder and affects the, the relationship that we have, ooh, um, we don't understand that as a spouse. And more often than not, the officer is not talking about nothing. And so there's, there's clues, but we don't know how to interpret those clues. And so that's what Hattle of Our Cops is all about, is just really making sure that we understand what's going on, how things will affect them, us, the kids, um, everybody around. And then if there's a big problem, if there's some red flags, what do those red flags mean? Not that we're going to diagnose, you know, PTSD or hypervigilance, but that we would understand that, okay, there's something wrong here. And perhaps I, as someone who loves this officer fiercely and he loves me or she as the case may be, perhaps they're willing to get some help or willing to find out, okay, what is this? And how can we combat it together? Um, my husband and I came up with a, um, a phrase that one team, one fight. And I feel like a lot of times um, officers and their, their loved ones, their significance, as I call them, um, they're, they're fighting against one another, but each other is not the enemy. We're on, we're on the same team. And so if we are on the same team and we think we, not just you and I, but we, then we look at, okay, what's the problem here? Is this post-traumatic stress? Is this something else that's going on? Um, then we can fight it together. And I love doing that because a lot of times these days, um, Officers are getting training about mental health and you know stress uh, management and whatnot, but the uh, but the officer families are not, and so that's why we're coming alongside and saying we need that information too, so that we can actually help. 
in a team effort to fight whatever it is that is is um, wrong and di correctly diagnosed so that we're not just leaving and saying, you know, and I've had enough of this crap. Right. How, let me ask you, how do you think the last two years, you know, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, mm. um, with this vilification of law enforcement in the United States, how do you think that's affected the mental health of American law enforcement? Well, I think we're just now seeing that um, for sure. I know for, as far as the family, we've gone underground. Um, coming out a little bit now, but um, relationships were severed just because they wear a badge. I've heard it over and over, um, especially our African-American uh, brothers and sisters who are in law enforcement they got the worst of it. And, um, and so because of this um, viewpoint of, of officers and the accusations that come with it, the alienation, um, that really has a, an effect on not just the family, but the officer itself. And I, right now there's a whole bunch of affairs going on everywhere we look. Marriages are dying right now. Uh, and I believe that it is a direct result of not, you know, last week or two months ago, but from two years ago and probably even before that. Uh, a lot of really horrible messages are coming in. And how can that not affect your heart and your soul? You know, you can put up, uh, a, you know, some armor and hope that that won't come through, but it does. It really does. Well, and, and it must affect the whole family, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, kids were being bullied. I mean, just our, our high school around the corner. I mean, cop kids are like, oh, you know, you have to, you have to put up your little black box. And if you don't, why not? That means you're not with us. So they're canceled. And, you know, we heard a lot of that. My own kids decided to uh, against our better, you know, our, our uh, telling them not to got involved with some conversations and people were vicious. They don't care. They don't care if you're, the, if you're talking about their dad, they don't care. They just, they have this idea and they're, you know, they're going to promulgate that. They're just going to say, Hey, no, this is the truth. And it's like, no, I know the truth. Cause I'm living with my dad or I am living with my husband. This stuff is crap. And so it's, it's a very difficult piece to be in. I and mean, we've, we've even had um, uh, kids that went out and protested with their friends against police. Uh, I mean, wow. and can you imagine how much that hurts? That would hurt an officer. That would, it hurts me just to think that, you know, they're put in these, in this situation and they choose others because that's what, that's where they're surrounded. Right. 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 Because they have been surrounded by those negative, mostly false messages. And, you know, they feel like they, you know, need to be a part of that, you know, that negativity. I know some of it's peer pressure. Um, yeah. Some of it's misguided, some of it's misguided guilt. I think that, oh my gosh, my mom or my dad's a police officer. 
So we have talked about so much. I wish we had about two more hours to talk, but where can people find you on social media? Where can they find the books? Where can they find uh, your training? How can they bring you in? Uh, our, our website is a perfect place. Uh, it's uh, how to, the number two, loveourcops.org. And uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of programs and um, resources, books, you know, all kinds of things for families. So, ah, it's extraordinary. You are doing an amazing service for uh, a profession and also for a group of people, our families who uh, serve right next to us and, uh, and take the brunt of so much of, of what happens. So thank you for all you guys do. And thanks for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later. Put the gun down! Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.